Hey there, everybody. I'm Brother Donnie Spano, and I'm so glad to come to you live and at your appointed times to, to have this time in ministry, to have this time in the Scriptures. And so if you would, go ahead and take your Bible out. Now, if you're driving, you're listening to the podcast, of course, be listening. You can look at these verses later as you have time to pull them up. But let's together release our faith and have uh, give God His place to speak as He would right here. Father, we do ask of you, we ask for your help. We ask, Father, for the help of your Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. And we thank you, Father, that He is showing, uh, showing to us in the way that we all understand that we have been given of you, Father. We ask ears to hear, eyes to see, Father, and hearts and minds ready to receive and perceive what is right and true in you. We thank you for it, Father. Thank you for taking us from place to place, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, Father, causing us to be ever more like Jesus. Thank you for it. We believe we receive it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now that is a, um, a lifestyle that's worth seeking for the rest of our lives, is to be ever more like Jesus. Jesus, he was led of God. Now, some like to put Jesus in a category of his own. They, they like to say, well, see, Jesus is, is here, and no matter what we do, we're going to live life here, well below. But Jesus did much of what he did as our example. That means we could actually do like him. Now, there are some things he, he was actually a substitute for us. You and I could not take upon ourselves the sin of the world. We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus did not. Not once. He was tempted in all points. I don't know if you and I have been tempted in every single point and way. But the scriptures tell us Jesus was. Well, he did that as our substitute. But he did other things as our example. And one of those things he did was he was led of God. He had a fellowship, a relationship with God the Father that you and I can have on an ongoing basis. And he would say things like, I can do nothing of myself, but what I hear the Father say, that's what I say. What I see the Father do, that's what I do. You and I can have that kind of relationship because Jesus lived like that as our example. He showed us the way to do it. And so let's go together to Matthew, the 11th chapter, because what we're going to look at, and we've started looking at this. If you haven't had an opportunity, there's free resources Go ahead and get it. We've been looking at humility. And the more and more that I'm seeing this, the more I'm seeing how foundational it is for uh, those of us who truly are like the Christ. Many, many say, I'm a Christian. I go to this church. I do this. And much fewer of those that say it are actually like the Christ. There's a whole lot more that will profess Christianity than are actually like him. There's a far difference, a far cry in difference between the two. Now you and I, we can take a hold on this right now and be like him in our lives. And, I, and that's not judgmental uh, at all towards anyone who has professed. I know I've done that, where I have professed, yeah, I'm a believer, yeah. And unfortunately, my lifestyle and my character was not at a level it should have been. And I had to grow. And even now, there's much more I can see and I can grow and, and improve upon by the Lord's help, right? How about you? 
Can we, you know, forget those things which are behind and reach forth to those things which are ahead, right? Pressing towards that high mark and call and prize that's in Christ Jesus. Let's do that. So we're going to find that here. And I'm giving you time. Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30. We're going there. And this is a call from Jesus who as Christians, he's our master. He's our Lord. Um, and he says this, he says in the 28th verse, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Now there are many outside of the church, outside of believers that are right in this aspect. And he's calling you right now. He's saying, hey, I know it's been hard these last years, these last months. I know it's been difficult, but I got another way for you. So come here, come to me and he's saying come to me but I want you to know this there are many inside the church walls that have been living a hard life and it's not God's fault and Jesus is talking to you too because just because you go to a church doesn't mean you're doing it God's way doesn't mean you're living a godly lifestyle and there is a better way and Jesus is talking to you as well. And he's talking to us all. And he's saying, come to me. All you that labor, that are working and are just heavy laden, working hard. What's he calling us to him for? He's saying it right here. He says, and I will give you rest. Does that sound good to you? Could you use some rest, my friends? Well, it's found in Jesus. In fact, it's found in faith. Those that trust God, those that are found faithful, they enter into rest. And it doesn't mean you don't have work that you're doing, but you can work beyond many do and have more rest than any of them. It's beyond our mind, but it is very doable with God that you can give out and do more than you ever have and yet be at more rest and ease than you've ever been. And Jesus is calling us to this lifestyle to come to him and find rest. And it says here in the 29th verse, he says, Take my yoke upon you. Now again, we've talked about this before. The yoke went across uh, oxen. And the yoke would couple oxen together. So Jesus is right here and he's saying, I want you to come over to me. Come and get near me. And then take my yoke upon you. He's saying, Go ahead and connect yourself to me. Allow what is on me, allow my guiding way to guide you today. And allow my influence to influence everywhere you go and everything you do. And he's going to continue and tell us what that way is, what that guiding influence is. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, this is the only way you and I can really continually learn of him is if we come to him and allow his way to oversee ours and we allow his, yes, sir, example and the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to be another comforter. You and I have the teacher in the Holy Spirit who is all the time right there as much as we recognize and give him place and he's going to continually show us the way of Jesus and we can every day every moment learn of him 
And as we do, we're going to find this. He said, for I am meek and lowly in heart. So what we're going to learn is we're going to learn humility. When we come to him, notice you have to humble yourself for this whole thing to start. He's, he's directing us, come to him. That takes an act of submission. He's not demanding us to come, but he is directing us. And you and I have a choice. We can decide, no, I got some other things to do right now, Jesus. You, If you knew my agenda, Jesus, you know my agenda. You know I can't come to you right now. I'm busy. I got too much going on. Well, then we are not submitting ourselves. We're not humbling ourselves. And if we don't, he won't. He won't make us submit. He won't make us humble ourselves. And we will be in a state and position where we'll continue to not find rest. And that's a problem. Why? Because we're still professing, we're like him, we're like him. And we're anxious and we're worried and things aren't going right. And all the time people are in this world are looking at us and going, yeah, they're like Jesus. Oh, I don't know about that. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus got a rough bunch. No, <laughs> just because we're saying we're like him, there's fruit that should show it. And fruit with Jesus, rest, easy. And he said, when we learn of him, we, like he, will find we're meek and lowly in heart. And he said, this is fruit of that. And you shall find rest to your souls. Your mind and your emotions will be at ease. Now, the 30th verse says, for my yoke, Jesus is telling us. Why would he tell us this? Because there's going to be a lie that comes to you and me continuously. That if we go that way that Jesus is showing... It's going to be hard. It's going to be the hardest thing. It's not worth taking it upon us. It's not worth going that way. You have to understand, this is the narrow way. This is the way that few in comparison go. Where the vast majority of this earth is going in a certain way, you and I would go a complete opposite way. And he's saying, this way, the way that few are going and many are missing, it's actually the easy way. It's actually the way that is light and easy to bear. The burden of it is very light. And the only way you and I can see that is by the help of God. It's by having a right heart, wanting His way, and He'll show us that. Because at first, we'll look at some things and it will seem so hard, and we'll look up and we'll go, Father, we trust you. You said your way is easy, you said it's light. I trust you. I believe you'll help us. And you take that next step, you'll realize, my word, you will tap into some strength that you never thought imaginable. And what seemed like such a heavy task was not long at all to last. And you press in and you go on and the Father's Spirit helps you on and on. And before you know it, it's done. You look back and go, how was that? How was that? Because the Holy Spirit helped you all through. All through. But it's in a place and position where you trust, where you and I enter in and we go, we're going to live and be like Jesus no matter what. It might look so hard. I may be seemingly all alone in comparison to all these other people, but I'm okay with that because I know whose I am and I know who I'm with. I know who my Lord is and I'm good with Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Proverbs 22. 
verse number four. When we're looking at the way of Jesus, which is the Christian way, the Christ-like way, we're going to find a way that truly respects God's things above all else. And the scriptures here, well, I'll let you look at it. Proverbs 22, verse 4. It's another one of our primary scriptures for this message. And it says this. It says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Now, this fear is a reverence. It's a respectful way. It's not afraid of God. It's a desire to please Him above all else. And this respect for Him, this reverence for Him, it is coupled with humility. And it is the way to find what is rich and honorable and true life in God's eyes. How about, is that something you want to find? How are we to find it? There's only one way. According to the scriptures, the way to find the riches, the honor, and the life is by humility and reverence is giving God his place, is being in a position where no matter what, in God you trust. And let's go together, yes sir, and let's go to Romans the 12th chapter. Today what we're going to look at in, in respect of humility is that um, a lot of what can be found about something can be found in what it is not. And so um, we're going to go to Romans 12, we're going to build upon, and then we're going to look at something we're going to look at a picture of pride today. A picture of pride. And it might be something you've looked at, but you know what? It's something that God can actually show more of. He can show us more about what pride is. Because let's be honest, you and I will be tempted to yield to pride. And, and we'll, we'll actually see that here in, in Romans 12. So Romans 12, 1, and we're going to go through verse number 3, I believe. <clears throat> Romans 12, 1 through 3, and we're going to put it up there for you to see as well, make it easy on you. And the scriptures say, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is submission. This is humility. You and I submitting ourselves, it says here, presenting ourselves, our physical body as a living sacrifice. You know, we look and regard worship, and a lot of times we uh, designate it to praise and worship in song and in what we, what we say. But worship, you and I, this is the heart of worship, is offering of self. And there's things that God has commanded of us for a season. Some people right now, God is telling you, <laughs> do well in those classes. Do well, excel in those studies. And you, um, yes sir, presenting yourself and putting those things in place and position, studying the way you ought to, doing with the most excellent way in there. God's looking at that and He sees what He told you to do. He does not just regard that as some work. He regards that as a worship that you value what he told you so much that you would val that you would prize it and put it in a place not like just some man told you to do it but that God himself has spoke to you in your heart and you're doing it as to him you see worship transcends the times 
of singing song and praise now that is wonderful in fact I believe truly that the highest form of prayer is praise and you'll find it in those times but worship should not be relegated to just that worship is what we do day in and day out with these bodies God's given us that house who we are as spirit and what we have as soul the mind emotions and our will and so he's he's urging us that we present our bodies living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is our reasonable service and be not conformed to this world which means we're going to be tempted to be conformed and pressed and made like this world and he said don't do that don't be conformed to this world but be you transformed how by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God which means we can prove and just do what God allows us to do that's acceptable but there are other ways we can prove his perfect will we can open ourselves up fully to him and allow him to have his way in every area of our life well that's not just an acceptable way that's perfect for him that's perfect and it goes on and says for I say through what through the grace given to me to every um, person that is among you not to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man it says but its person the measure of faith so we're talking about the way of faith which is why we're talking so much about this but what is it connected to not thinking of ourselves more highly than we should thinking of ourselves in an honest way in what is true before God which doesn't mean thinking nothing of ourselves because God thinks very highly of us so humility will think just as high of ourselves as God does will think of ourselves as his children right and so when we're looking at this thank you master we're talking about yes sir not being conformed to this world and it connects the conformity to the world with thinking more highly of ourselves than we should this is pride so it's making it very clear what is pride pride is the common area that most people in this world live in pride is the position of most of the people in this earth and it's the same reason there's all the fighting and all of the fussing and all the unsatisfaction and thanklessness that is in this earth because humility is not as common to be found and if you and I are going to be like the master we're going to have to resist conforming resist being like what is so common and all around us because let's be honest what we're talking about is yielding to something or resisting have you ever gone a certain way and there's a yield sign I know here in the Western States many of our streets have yield places and that means you come up but you don't have the right away necessarily you're going to check this other way and make sure no one's coming and then as it's opening clear 
then you yield to that way and you go. But you can get so used to this area. So often you've gone here, no one's coming that way. No one's. So you get so accustomed to just br briefly looking over and continuing to drive your vehicle, not even stop. Why? Because you've gotten so used to it, so accustomed to it, you are just so quick to yield to the way. And when, when the world is all around us and we see it constantly, now let's look at it this way. You got someone behind you as you are looking to yield and they are ready to go. They're honking on their horn. They're giving, they're sticking their head out the window. They're grilling you big time. They're going, come on, go, move, let's go, let's go. And you're on the inside of you, you know, no, this isn't the right way. No, no, I shouldn't be going this road. No, this isn't my road. And you're thinking, I got to go that way. I'm not supposed to yield to pride. I'm supposed to yield to humility. I got to get out of this way. I got to yield right. And you start bringing your vehicle over to the right and they're blasting around you, staring you down, honking the horn. This is what we're looking at. Why are many choosing to conform? Because it's easier to the flesh. It doesn't stand out so much. Because in all actuality, when there's a few narrow way that we're to go in humility, and the vast majority are going the opposite way, we're going to look a far cry different. And many don't want that. Many don't. And that's what people are wondering. When they're looking at us in our way and they're going, come on already, come on already, just go, just do it. And you and I, knowing Jesus now, are going, no, I don't feel right about that. Something is not right in me about doing that anymore. No, no. And you can see where contention creates in this environment because we're not like them anymore we can't live like that anymore and uh, let's go together in continuation second corinthians 4 3 how are we looking on time we're gonna have more than enough time to get all this out good good all right so second corinthians 4 and we're gonna look at verses 3 and 4 and as you're going there, I'm going to go to 1 John. So go to 2 Corinthians 4, and I'm going to go to 1 John 2. I don't, I don't want you missing out on any. I want to be able to get all this to you. And I know the Lord's helping us do that. Hallelujah. So again, you're at 2 Corinthians 4. And I'm going to... Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So, here we are in 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 3 and 4. I'll let you... Sorry, I should have told that to you, but we're, we're getting there. 4, verses 3 and 4. And it says this. It says, But if our gospel be hid, is it possible that the good news can be hidden? Yes, if our gospel, if the good news be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Are there many in this world in whom the gospel's gone out and it's like they just can't see it? You ever, you ever had something that was right before your eyes and you couldn't see it? I had it happen just the other day. 
I was thinking, hey, where is this and this? And someone that was there helping, they said, oh, it's right there. It was not but two feet from me. And this happens so often that there's something good right before the eyes and people, they completely miss it. It's hid. And the gospel can be hid. And it's hid to those who are lost. And it continues here in the fourth, chapter, fourth verse. rather, And it says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. So it's the God of this world who blinds people's minds so that they don't recognize it, they don't see this good news. And this is the originator of pride, the God of this world. Now go with me to um, Ezekiel 28, and I'm going to read to you, I guess we could put it up there, 1 John 2.15, 1 John 2.15, and I'm going to go through 17. Hallelujah. And um, then we're going to go to Ezekiel 28.11 through 19. Hallelujah. We're looking at a picture of pride, which is looking at a picture of the God of this world. It's looking at our adversary, the enemy, which is Satan, the devil. And he is a picture of pride, a picture of the way that is pride. And... Um, Obviously, you can see I don't go to Ezekiel as often, <laughs> which I'm sure you might be doing the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we haven't been there in a few days. And Ezekiel 28, you notice if you look at my Bible, you'll probably see my my epistles are more wore out than anything else. We have a well, the epistles are written to us. The uh, the old covenant is written for us. The Gospels are written, um, thank you, Lord. Um, well, needless to say, epistles are written to the church. That's us. They're written to us. They're written, hallelujah, to us. So now here we are in um, Ezekiel 28, 11, but I'm going to read to you 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And it says, love not the world, or you could say don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. So again, the God of this world, who blinds the minds, we're not to love the world because he's the God of it. And it says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust, you could say, the desire of the flesh, and the desire or lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And if it's of the world, it's of the God of this world. He's the one feeding us with the temptation and trying way, saying, you know you want to do that thing. You know you want to look at that. You know you want to have that. You know you want them to think of you like that. You know. And he'll press us and test us and try and get us, what, to conform and yield to this way that's pride that depends upon what we know depends upon what we can do, depends on what we have. We don't want that. We want to depend upon God. We want to learn 
of Him and be like our Master, the Lord Jesus. Now here, let's go to Ezekiel 28. Let's look at the originator of pride. You know, he was not created like this. Satan is known to have been the father of lying. He authored lying. And you'll find pride believes a lie. It's inseparable from a dishonest way of life. And um, here in the 20, 2811, we're going to read from, and it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation. We're going to go through 19. Upon the king of Tyrus. Now, it sounds like a natural king at first, but you'll notice it's more than this. And say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You seal up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He was arrayed wonderfully, this Satan. And it goes on and says, You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Well, you know that's not a natural king. Could not live that long. Who was in Eden, the garden of God? Satan was. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of your tabrets and of your pipes. These are instruments that, that uh, came from him. Was prepared in, of, I'm sorry, prepared in you in the day that you were created. You are the anointed cherub. This is an angel, a cherub, that covers and I have set you so. Now notice he was an angel that covers, and now he covers the truth. He hides behind lies. And he said, you were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. Notice this, till iniquity was found in you. God created Satan perfectly. The only reason that he was perverse, perverted means twisted, was because he did it. He wanted it and he became it. Iniquity, the wrong way, the lies were found in him. And it continued and said, By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence. You see how this can this connection between pride and violence will forever be. Pride is a fighter. It believes a lie and it embitters it and it wants to take it out on someone and, and be violent. And he says, And you have sinned, therefore I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. He went down. You're going to see, we're going to look together, but Jesus said, I saw him, I beheld Satan come down like lightning, fall from heaven. And pride always goes, what, before a fall. And we see here in the 17th verse, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of you. It shall devour you, and I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. All they that know you among the people shall be astonished at you. You shall be a tear, and never shall you be any more. My, my. Let's go together to Isaiah 14. 
Isaiah 14. This will be a little bit towards the major prophets here. Isaiah 14. Let's go to verse number 12, and we're going to go through 17. Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. Thank you, Lord. Yes, sir. Hmm. Why would we want to be like the enemy? We don't. And he is lifted up. He's proud in heart. He's a liar and a believer of lies. We don't want to be like this. Verse number 12, it says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, notice, what does he want to do to the nations? Weaken them. He is the God of this world. He puts out lies and he endeavors for there to be violence amongst nations. Why? To weaken them. You know, one of the biggest things that threatened to, to devour, to, to destroy this United States of America was a civil war. It was a, a war amongst its own people. And this is what he desires time and time again to get people to think that we are one another's uh, opposition and enemies. To act like he doesn't even exist so that we fight it out amongst each other and kill each other off. This is what pride wants to do. It wants a fight. You ever be around somebody, it seems like they want drama in a place, they want to see a fight, they want to see an uproar. This is part of pride, and it's part of loving a lie. And um, he went on and said, How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne. Notice how much I is in the statements. And this is what he is speaking to himself. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. There's no place that's like the Most High place. There's no place like the place that God has. And this is a picture of pride. Uh, a place that tries to put God in a place like us. Tries to say, I'm going to be like God in my life. And now many won't say, yeah, I've done that. But if I never ask him, talking about God the Father, about what I'm supposed to do about this next season, about what I'm supposed to do today, about... If I never inquire of him, if I never submit myself and never humble myself and even ask him, then I am acting like I am God of my life. And if we go that kind of way, he is given no place. And it's no different than saying, we're going to be like the Most High. We might call on God in some certain times of need, but for the most part, we got this. We don't need any help. We know what we need to do. We know what we have. We know. No, we don't. Not if we're to be successful. Not if we're to be enjoying the riches and honor and life that is found in God alone. If you want that, then we're going to have to learn of Jesus. And we're going to have to rely upon God. And it's going to be alone in God we trust that we find this way. And Satan did not want that. 
And he's saying to himself in his own heart, I'm going to be like the Most High. And the 15th verse says, Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? You? Uh. Go with me in closing to Luke 10, verse 17. Luke 10, 17 through verse 19. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Luke 10, 17. Thank you, Lord. When, um, when we started looking at this, the Lord mentioned to my heart, He said that many believe there's an in-between. You know, we've been looking at this in James' uh, letter to the church and in Peter's letter to the church, that, that first letter of his. It talks about that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Many think they're not in a place where He has to resist them, but neither are they really necessarily in a place where he can exalt them and give them more grace. So they are in between. And he mentioned in my heart, there is no in between. If we don't present ourselves and humble ourselves, we will be found in pride. And he has one thing, one response he told me that he has for pride. He must resist it. There are many that sense they're far away from God right now. It's not his fault. He does want close communion, close fellowship with you. The only way that it's to be found is if we draw ourselves near to him, humble ourselves, come to him, and find this relationship. He's right there. He, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So we're not waiting on him. No, it's time to, to humble ourselves and draw near to Him. Now here it says, in closing, Luke 10. Now this is a picture of pride. If you and I don't resist pride and humble ourselves, this is what we can expect to receive. This is what we can expect our outcome to be. Verse 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. This is actually a benefit of humility. And I sense I might need to go further into that in a moment. But Jesus saw this. He was a witness to Satan falling right to the earth. Which meant he saw him before that too. If there's anyone that knows the picture of pride and the way out. It's our Master and Lord Jesus. This is why He is the one who is in position to go, Come to me, learn of me, because I'm meek and lowly of heart. Now He says that, and He's not in pride because He says it. He's not outside of humility when He says He's a humble man. No, He's not. And He says, Behold, hallelujah, I give to you power 
to tread on serpents and scorpions and what? Over all the power of the enemy. And what else? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Who is this? His disciples. Those that are like him. Those that learn of him. Satan can't touch them. And what? Power is given to them over all that the enemy would do. He's a destroyer. So if we have authority and power to resist him, then that means no destruction has to happen in our lives. Praise God. Now there's benefits to humility. I want to get to it, but I know our time. How are we doing on our time? Yes, yes. So, so we're going to have to come back for some more humility with the help of Jesus and learning of Him. What do you say, my friends? You want to come back and learn some more of Him? Because there's some benefits of humility that we're going to pick up right where we left off here and see in time to come. We love you. We bless you. We will see you soon. Thank you, Father.